Jesus Christ came into this world, the Bible says, to save sinners. Paul said, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I'm chief. That's what Paul said. He said also to Timothy, he said, uh, he said the mystery of godliness is God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the world, received up into glory. And we endeavor to live that out in our lives. For godliness to be revealed in us. The purpose, for so many years, for, for millennia even, people have thought that the way to God was through religion, was through doing religious rituals and this and that and, and following these practices and all, and thought that perhaps that is the way to please God. But the mystery of godliness is Jesus Christ. And living out the life of Christ in our lives. As, as Scripture says, I, Paul said to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This life is only possible when we have come to faith in Jesus Christ and we're yielded to the Spirit of God. The Bible tells us that, that the Spirit of God begins to do a work in us and, and He's going to continue that work until we see Jesus face to face. And the, the work that the Spirit of God desires to do in you is to produce love, joy, peace, uh, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. This is the character of Christ in me and you. So the world can see what Christ is really all about. So the world can see that, that Jesus Christ is, is all about, is all about uh, showing his love and his grace uh, to us who are undeserving sinners. We deserve to be, uh, to be spending eternity in hell, but God, who is rich in mercy, showed his great love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us to redeem us from the curse of the law, to redeem us from, uh, from our sins and to set us free. And he gave us, the church, the great responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the good news that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And he offers salvation freely to whosoever will come to him in, in faith and repentance. That's good news because without him, Every one of us would spend eternity in hell. But I'm so glad that Jesus gave himself to die for our sins. It was our sins that crucified Jesus. No, you and I were not alive back when Jesus was crucified. But our sin 
nailed Jesus to the cross. He took your sins and mine upon himself. You and I are guilty. We deserve death. We deserve eternity in hell. And that's a truth that this world doesn't like to hear. We don't like to be confronted with our sin. We don't like to be confronted with, with negative. You know, I just don't need that kind of negativity in my life. You know, people will say whatever. Uh, and, and, and so they, they don't, they won't come. The scripture says that they will not come to the light lest their deeds be reproved. But it's sad when people trust Christ as their savior and hide their light under a bushel. That's kind of old terminology, but hiding the light under a, under a basket or, or concealing the light of Jesus Christ. The light that should be shining forth from our lives to show the world who Jesus is. As we study through the book of Acts, we're talking about the church, how the church was empowered. We're talking about the life of the Spirit of God, I mean, the, the acts of the Spirit of God in the life of the church. As the Spirit of God began to do His work in the lives of believers, they were empowered to do the work that God has called us to do, that Jesus left us to do. And as we've studied through, we've seen, we've seen Jesus do a great work. But then we saw how the enemy, last week we talked about how the enemy sought to, to, to bring uh, discouragement, defeat, uh, division, uh, disgrace. Over the past few weeks, we've talked about how, how as, as uh, Peter and John preached and, and as people were, uh, were saved and as, as the lame man there at the, the, uh, the, uh, the gate uh, called Beautiful there by the temple, as, as he was healed, the, the religious leaders came out and, and began to, to charge them very strongly and command them not to preach in the name of Jesus Christ. They warned them. They threatened them. And see, the enemy, the enemy seeks to do whatever he can to shut down the work of God. And, and so he sought, for, he, he sought through exterior means. He sought through the outside to intimidate and to shut down the preaching of Jesus Christ and the work of God. But many times, if, if our enemy is not effective in shutting it down from the outside, he'll try from the inside. That's why Paul said to the, to the leaders of the church there in Ephesus, he said, he said, uh, when, he said when I depart, whenever I go away, he said, he said there's going to be some grievous wolves that are going to rise up and try to scatter the flock. And he said, even some of you are going to try to draw away people. For your own benefit, with selfish motivations, Satan tries to divide it from the inside. Last week we talked about Ananias and Sapphira, 
How that, how that because they had a very faulty uh, identity, they were, they were basing their identity on, on what other people thought about them or, or on their wealth or, or whatever. They're, they're basing their identity on, on a very fragile and faulty uh, uh, foundation. And so they, they, made, they made a commitment, they made a vow, but then they came and, and they, well, for those who weren't here, they sold a piece of property and they said that they were giving all of the money, the, all the proceeds to God. And when they brought the money and laid it down at the apostles' feet, Peter was aware right away, the Spirit of God helped him to understand that they were not being honest. And, and Peter asked me, he said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has put in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? He said, you've not lied to, God, to, to man, but you've lied to God. And when Ananias heard that, he fell down dead. You can imagine that would cause quite a stir among the people. Three hours later, the wife of Ananias, a woman by the name of Sapphira, came in. And she hadn't heard about her husband dropping dead in front of everybody there at the uh, there when he brought the money into to the apostles. And when she came in, Peter asked her. He said, "Is this how much you sold the land for?" And she said, "Yeah, yeah. That's that's the right that's the right price. That's the right amount." And the Bible tells us that she had conspired with her husband. To do this, and Peter asked her, he said, he said, why would you, why would you scheme with your husband to lie and to sin like this? And he said, the feet of the men who carried your husband out, he said, they're at the door and they're going to carry you out as well. And she dropped dead. As you can imagine, the Bible says that great fear came upon Everyone that heard these things. It was, a, it, was a, it was not a terror that filled their heart. But what it, what it was, it was a, among those who were believers, it was a reverence that returned. See, it's important for us to remember that, that the church, the church our, our, our gatherings and our fellowship and, our, and the Christian life, it should be a life that is marked by happiness and joy because that is the fruit of the Spirit. But at the same time, God is not just out for you to do whatever pleases you and whatever makes you happy. I heard somebody, a very, a very famous um, pastor, uh, on television one day, he, he and his wife were speaking and they said, God is interested in your happiness and so whatever makes you happy makes God happy. I'll tell you, that sounds really good to our, our human ears and our human desires, but, I, but I'll tell you what, you won't find that taught in this book. Now, God is interested in your happiness But he knows that true happiness is only going to come when you're walking in close fellowship with him. Temporary happiness 
It's based on happenings, the things that go on. You know, uh, you... You, if if a person if a person was a, was a diabetic, it might make them really happy to eat a donut or a big slice of cake. But later on, when it has its effects on their health, they're not going to like it. In the moment, it made them happy, but in the long run, it wasn't the wise choice for them, was it? God's interested in us making wise choices that's going to help us to, to produce, uh, it's going to help us to, to see the character of Christ revealed in us. And as we, as we realize that, it, it, will, it will encourage us to live lives of holiness before him. Many times people have this idea that, that Christians, they're just, you know, they're just boring and, and dull in the Christian life. You can't have any fun. But the Bible tells us that, that in, his presence, in the presence of God, in the presence of the Lord, there, is, there, are, uh, there are pleasures. Uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You won't find greater joy than walking closely with Jesus Christ. You won't find a greater excitement and, and fulfillment in life than maintaining a close, holy, righteous walk with our Savior. The enemy attempts to divide and dis discourage uh, from the inside and, and from the outside, but Christ demonstrates his power to show us that he is he's, he's God, he's king, he's the Lord. He purchased the church with his blood, and he, and he shows through, uh, through, these, through the book of Acts here, we see that Jesus shows that the church belongs to him. We must not come in and try to use the church for our own purposes. Ananias and Sapphira attempted to use the church uh, to, to, grat uh, to, to gratify themselves. To bring, to bring attention to themselves and to make themselves feel good and feel very important by what they were doing. And we see God worked some great miracles in the church. But also, as you, as you read through Scripture, you'll notice that, you notice that anytime God begins to do something, one of the things that he does is, is he establishes that this is him doing it. And one of the ways that he does that is through, is through, uh, through miracles. The Bible calls them signs and wonders. And these are not things that you see, that you see carry on through that entire period of God working. But you also see that when somebody violates the principles and the, the laws that, and the, the way that God is working, you also see that it's coupled with some judgment to establish the importance of holiness and righteousness. We see that, we see that in the very beginning. God worked a great miracle when he spoke everything into existence. 
But then when, when the enemy came in and began to tempt Adam and Eve to try to use what God had provided for their own purpose, they sinned and God brought judgment. There was the fall of man. There was the curse of sin that came upon all men for that all have sinned, the Bible says. We see it later when, when, God, when God established, uh, when, when God began to work uh, through the people of Israel and he was going to bring them out and bring them into the land that he had promised them and he was, he was instituting the law and beginning that process. We see that God through, worked through Moses and, and, uh, and miracles and, and, uh, and a, a great deliverance was wrought there. God... God worked the miracle when, when Moses threw down his rod and it became a serpent. The Egyptian uh, magicians, they threw down their rods and they also became serpents. But Moses' rod swallowed up the, the other serpents. And then he picked it up and it became a rod again in his hand. And, and they didn't have a rod to pick up. Uh, and God, God was showing his, showing his power. But then when there was the rebellion, God sent the plagues on Egypt, brought the great deliverance. But then when the people of Israel, as they're, as they're learning, as they're set free now, and they're beginning this new life uh, in, in following God and, and, and obeying Him as Moses is, there, is leading them, uh, we see them cross the Red Sea. And, and a little while later, uh, Aaron and Miriam began to murmur against Moses, began to complain and gripe and oppose Moses and say, who do you think you are? Do you think that you're the only one that God can speak to? And they begin to challenge the authority that God gave that man. And God smote Miriam with leprosy. Judgment. We see Korah and Dathan, uh, two men that stood up against Moses uh, again. And, and Moses, Moses uh, prayed and asked God to, to, to intervene. And the Bible tells us that, that, that God told Moses to tell them, if, if these men die a natural death, then the Lord has not, has not sent me. He said, but, but if, if the Lord does a new thing and the earth opens up and swallows up uh, Korah uh, and, and all of his company, he said, then you'll know that God sent me. And the Bible says that, that the earth opened up and swallowed up uh, these men and their families and all of their stuff. God sent the judgment to remind them and establish His word and His holiness. His way must be kept by His people. We see the establishment of the, the tabernacle there in the wilderness, the place where God said he would meet with his people. And, and the, the two sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, they, they came in one day to, to fulfill their responsibilities. But the Bible tells us that they offered strange incense on the altar. And the fire of God came out of the altar and consumed them. We see when God is beginning a new thing, when he's beginning to work in a new way, he establishes it through the signs and wonders, the miracles. But he also, he also reminds us the importance of doing things his way. It's incumbent upon us as believers in Jesus Christ that we don't look around and say, well, hey, I'm a believer, this is the church, I'm going to do it my way. 
The church belongs to Jesus. But, but pastor, what, what, about, what about grace and all that? Oh, absolutely, there is grace. He is, he is a God of grace, and, and he, he gives more grace, and, and grace is shed abroad to, and, and offered to every person. God's grace is there. It is one of his characteristics. But, but God would not be just and holy if he allowed sin to go unaddressed. And so he deals with sin. And, and so must we. We need to deal with sin. We need to take care of it before it takes root in our hearts. We need to take care of sin before it grows up and destroys us. We need to take care of it. Uh, bef- and uh, when, it's, when it's just the temptation, we need to resist the devil and he will flee from us, not allowing the sin to take hold in our lives. But if you have, uh, t- if you have allowed it to come in, hey, let me, let me encourage you with this. The Bible says confess and forsake it and you'll have mercy. Because uh, as James tells us, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. What, What is he saying? He's talking to believers and he says, look, when you allow a little bit of, uh, when you allow a little bit of a desire for something wrong to to be entertained in your heart, you're going to be drawn to that. You're going to be tempted by it. And and you're going to, and if you give in to that, that's sin. And you know, you might, you might not think that you have experienced the destruction of sin immediately. But sin is deceitful. And it'll destroy you. And the first, one of the first ways that it does is by saying, see, that didn't, that didn't mess anything up, did it? You can do it again. And the next time you're a little more bold. The next time it's, there's a little less of a hesitation to give in to that sin. But the Bible says, when it's finished, it brings forth death. So let's separate ourselves from sin. And separate ourselves unto God. Let's let's be a people of God that are not ashamed to be called the people of God. Last week we talked about about the faulty identities, the faulty and frail identities that we that we uh, uh, are that we try to live up to. There, there's the traditional identity where others define me. There's the, there's the, the modern identity where, where we don't want others to tell me who I am. I'm going to define myself. But that comes with its own set of, of bondage uh, and, and it, its own system of bondage where, where, we're not, where even though we define ourselves, we're not satisfied until others accept us for who we say we are. We're still yielding. See, we're, we're slaves to whatever we determine defines us. But what Jesus wants 
is for us to come to him and and to receive the identity for which we were created. And that is a gospel identity. That is to be identified with Christ. And that is to live a life of freedom in Christ. We are set free. We are free from sin. We are free from what others say we are. But we are free to live for Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us great fear came upon all the church. This is Acts chapter 5, verse 11. We're going to pick up right here, and we're going to, we're going to see a, a people who were not ashamed to be identified with truth, to be identified with Christ. And I pray that today we'll be encouraged, we'll be challenged to identify with truth ourselves. Great fear came upon all the church, and upon as many as heard these things. And by the hands of... By the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. And of the rest durst no man or dared no man join himself to them. And, and it says, but the people magnified them. You, you, begin to see, you begin to see a line being drawn in the sand. You begin to see sides forming, so to speak. You begin to see uh, there, there's some people that, that they, they came, uh, they, they came and, and they were a part of what was going They were excited by the, uh, on the day of Pentecost when they heard these men speaking in their own language. And, and they were interested. And, and maybe they didn't believe. Maybe they weren't part of that 3,000. But they were interested and they were entertained. They were curious about it. And they began to come along and you know, just kind of peek and watch and see. And, and, and then, then when Peter and John uh, were when the the lame man had been healed and they were preaching there at the temple and 5,000 people got saved. These these others, they they might have been there along with that and looking looking on to see what was going on and and to see, oh, here come the chief priests. Let's let's see what what happens now. And and they're here, you know, just eating their popcorn and watching what's going on. They're entertained by it. And maybe, and, and you know, many times there are people that come to church because they like the way it makes them feel. They like, they like, the, they like the atmosphere and they, they like the, the, the songs and they like the emotions and, and this and that. But, they, but they, they, never, they never take a step across that line, a step of faith to say, I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am his and he is mine. They're just kind of entertained by what's going on. They're the, they're the ones that, uh, that they, 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 never, they never go, uh, they never go to, a, to a ball game unless, unless they're giving away a, a jersey, you know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah they go on a free ticket. Um, they, they're, just, they're just coming to see what's in it for me. And if that's, if that's you today, hey, I'm, glad, I'm just glad you're here. But I want to encourage you, as, as you come, you're going to hear, you're going to hear some, some straight, matter-of-fact preaching. You're going to hear some things from the Word of God that's not going to, that's not going to scratch your itching ears. It's, you know, it's not going to, you know, we, our, our little dog, it's, he's an uh, Australian shepherd, and, and high maintenance and high energy and and uh, sometimes he he does things and and you always know when he knows that he's done something wrong because either either he'll he'll look at you like this or 
Mackenzie got this got this little uh, this this cushion. It's like an ottoman thing, and 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 if if he's not looking at you like this, he'll go running and he'll just lay across that and just look at you like, what are you gonna do? You know. But if we get close, when he's been doing something wrong, he'll lay down and roll over and want us to rub his belly. You're not going to find belly rubs in the preaching here. I love you, but I love you enough that I'm going to, we're going to tell you the truth, even when the truth is uncomfortable. And that's what was going on here. When they saw, oh my goodness. I mean, I, I'm, all, I'm all about lame men walking and all of that, but I mean, just because they decided to keep back some money, they dropped dead. I don't know about all this. And so they began to walk away. But it's because they're not realizing the seriousness of a relationship with God. The seriousness of standing before a living, a just, and holy God. And on that day, they might have been kind of backing away, but there's coming a day when they're not going to be able to back away. And they're going to be called to give an account for the decisions they've made. And today, I pray that each of us will choose to identify with truth. It came multi- the Bible says, the Bible says, and believers were the more added to the Lord. See, there were some that just kind of backed away, but then there were some that said, yeah, that's my team. That's the side I'm on. There were those that said, no way, no how. Nope, that's not for me. And there were some that, you know, they, they liked the entertainment factor, but they just kind of, I don't know. But then there were those that said, yeah, I'm all in. The believers were the more added to the Lord. Notice this, multitudes, both of men and women. And, and, and notice this, it says, in so much, what that means is they believed so strongly, their faith was so strong that they went and, and, and brought out sick people into the streets and laid them on beds and couches and, and that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. In Jewish culture, the shadow was very was very important, and it and it and it uh, it was a, a part of the person, and, and 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 like an extension of the person. And so these these new believers, still having this Jewish mindset, they they were like, hey, if if we can just get get our our sick family and friends close enough that the shadow of Peter passes over them, they'll be healed. And and they they brought them. And the Bible says the Bible says there came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folk and them that were vexed with unclean spirits. So not just there in Jerusalem, but what was going on there was noised abroad so that people came from cities all around Jerusalem, not, uh, not just coming themselves, but bringing their sick with them. Those who, were, who had infirmities, those who had the palsy, those who maybe they had leprosy or some other, some other sickness. And notice it says, them which were vexed with unclean spirits. In our day and time, there, I believe that we that we that we deal with we deal with a lot of folks who are vexed with unclean spirits, but we don't know it because they're so medicated. 
But the reality is that the enemy is still working and still destroying lives and still taking people captive through these unclean spirits, this spiritual world that, that we encounter, we deal with. And as believers, we do deal with this because we are believers in a God who is a spirit. And, and, and our God who is a spirit, he is doing a work in the spiritual realm. And the battle that we face is a spiritual battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Human beings are not our enemies. We, they, are, they are just, those who, who we would often maybe consider to be an enemy, they are just influenced by our real enemy. And we need to see past the facade of the human, uh, of the human being, and we need to see the real enemy, uh, Satan, and his demons who are at work. And we need to realize that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have victory, and we can live in victory. But often we yield ourselves to sin. We yield ourselves to the things of the world, the, the flesh and the devil. And, and, and we give, uh, while Satan cannot, cannot possess a believer, while he cannot own us, we often yield little areas of our life to him. And he can set up strongholds in those areas where we, and, and we face defeat time and time again. But the Bible says using the weapons that God has given us, they are mighty through God. We can pull down those strongholds and we can have the victory and live in the victory that God intends. As, as people came from all around bringing out their sick and bringing out those who were vexed with unclean spirits, notice the Bible says, and they were healed, everyone. Every one of them were healed. Every person that was vexed with an unclean spirit was freed from that unclean spirit. In the name of Jesus, the unclean spirits have to go. They, uh, the Bible says that God uh, highly exalted Jesus and gave him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That's Satan's knee. That's the demon's knees. Hey, they're going to bow at the name of Jesus. And they must yield to the name of Jesus. Uh, we, we remember in the, in the Gospels when Jesus... Jesus came into the country of Gadara and there was the man who was possessed with demons and, and he came out of the tombs crying and screaming and he, and he said, and the demons said to Jesus, what have we to do with you, Jesus? Have you come to torment us before the time? They knew that he is going to sit in judgment of them one day and they're going to be cast to a place of torment. They knew, they knew that whatever he said, they would have to obey. They said, please, don't, don't just cast us out of this man. If you will, send us into those pigs up there. And so Jesus did. And the pigs ran violently down the hill and into the sea and drowned themselves. I won't tell you they committed suicide. But... Uh, um, but the, 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 demons, the demons were at work. But they had to yield to the name of Jesus. And I'll tell you, there may be areas of our life where we've yielded to Satan and he has set up a, a stronghold, but at the name of Jesus, he's got to go. 
It would do us good to take some time to, to search our hearts and lives and see and ask God, is there an area that I've yielded to the enemy that would hinder me from, from fully identifying publicly with truth, an, an area that would undermine my identifying with truth? Because, Lord, if there's something there, I want it out. I want it out. Then the high priest rose up. Notice when things begin to happen, when God begins to work, the enemy's gonna come. He's gonna attack the high priest. This is the religious crowd, and they're opposing the work of God. The high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. They were angry. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. They, they were so angry because in, in chapter 4 they had threatened them. Don't you go preaching in this name. Don't you go teaching in this name. And here they are teaching and healing and casting out devils and all of this in the name of Jesus. So they went and laid hands on them and they put them in the prison. And notice... The believers, they didn't take up pitchforks and torches and go storming the temple and demanding them to be set free. They didn't, they didn't uh, uh, form a, 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 a uh, they, they didn't uh, organize a march or a hunger strike or anything like that to protest the, the imprisonment of these men. No. The apostles, they went quietly with them. They were, they were put into prison. But notice what happened. The angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth. It's interesting. The high priest, notice it says, and they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees. The Sadducees were the, the, uh, they were the, had the majority of the influence there in the temple in those days. And the Sadducees do not believe in angels or demons or, or the resurrection or anything like that. So it's interesting that when they put the apostles in prison, God sent an angel to let them out. The Bible says he, he brought them forth and said, go stand and speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard that, they entered into the temple early in the morning and taught. But the high priest came, and they that were with him, and called the council together and all the senate of the children of Israel and sent to the prison to have them brought out. They hadn't heard yet what was going on. But when the officers came and found them not in the prison, they returned and said, the prison truly found we shut with all safety. I mean, can you see this? The guards standing there. Guarding that, guarding that prison cell and the people coming up and saying, all right, let's bring them out. And they open the door and, oh, they're, they're gone. And the guard's like, what? what? How, did, how in the world did they get out? There's no way they could have gotten out but God, right? And, and so they uh, then came one. Oh, notice it says, uh, now when the high priest and the, the captain of the temple and the chief priest heard these things, they doubted of them whereunto this would grow. Like, oh, my goodness, how... We better keep this quiet. We don't want anybody to know. We don't want this getting out. Then came one and told them, saying, Behold the men that you put in prison. They're standing in the temple teaching the people. <laughs> don't you just love it when God shows out? Amen? And then went the captain with the officers and brought them with, without violence. You know, they didn't want to go in and, and just you know, cause a scene. Uh, for they feared the people. 
It's sad that these high priests are supposed to be the priests of the Most High God. They feared the people more than they feared God. If they had truly been priests of the Most High God, if they had truly studied the Word like they were supposed to, then they would have recognized that Jesus is who He said He was, and they would not be opposing these apostles uh, on this day. But, uh, but they, they brought them without violence because they feared the people, lest they should have been stoned. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? Notice they're not saying, they're not calling him Jesus in this name. And behold, you've filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. And that's crazy because they're the ones that stood before Pilate and said, his blood be upon us and on our children. But just two months later, they're standing and they're saying, what are you doing trying to bring this man's blood upon us? They knew they were guilty, but they had hardened their hearts in their rejection of Jesus Christ. Then Peter and the other apostles answered. and said, So these, these priests, they identified with the enemy. Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Peter's identifying with truth. He's identifying with Jesus Christ. Uh, the, the God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. This is the same message he's been preaching for, for several days now, right? Uh, the, you crucified him. You slew him. And him hath God exalted with his right hand to be the prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that, that obey him. As we, as we look at, as we look at, uh, at this, we see, we see people identifying, we see them identifying with the truth, and we see them standing, you know, I said a line drawn in the sand, we see them taking their sides, and, and Peter is showing that he's showing the authenticity, he's showing the authority of the truth. He said, we're witnesses, and so is the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So is the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is, is a witness of these things. He is showing that, that this is the truth. The Bible says when they, when they heard that, they were cut to the heart. Conviction came upon them. They were cut to the heart. And, and it, it's, it's, good that, it's good that the Word of God is going forth. It's good that the Holy Spirit is doing a work and witnessing. Hey, because here's the thing. I can't convict you. I can't show you your need. I can't explain to you uh, everything and help you to understand completely that you need Jesus. But the Holy Spirit can. He takes the Word of God and He applies it to your heart and life and He helps you to see the truth. He helps you to understand that you are a sinner and that you need a Savior. He helps you to, to know the truth and the truth will make you free. I'm having some technical difficulties up here. All my notes just went blank. And I don't think that that's... I'm not trying to be sensational or anything, but I don't think that that's a, that that's a, 
an accident. I think, that, I think that there's some opposition, and I just believe Jesus is more powerful. Amen? As these people stood, as, as the apostles stood and, and they preached, we see, uh, we see people identifying with the truth. They believed the truth. The believers were the more added to them, both men and women. Multitudes uh, were added to the church. We see the attack on the truth when the high priest came in, but we see the advancement of the truth when God worked a miracle that could only be said that God did it, and, and he sent his angel to bring them out. Uh, th- then we see the, the apostles stand boldly for the truth. They stood boldly in the truth and and they they began to preach and they they called them to repentance they called them out for what they had done and and they they recognized that they're standing in the truth but they're standing in the authority of Christ Paul said Paul said we are ambassadors for Christ and as as God were beseeching you by us be ye reconciled to God that is, that is our message. That is our testimony. We're standing under the authority of Christ. We are standing in his place. We are uh, bringing this message of reconciliation. We are representatives for Christ. I can't save, and you can't save someone, but we can be the messengers of Jesus Christ, calling them to repentance, calling them to salvation, calling people to a decision. And today is a day of decision. A day when we decide, am I going to be one of those that, that sits around watching the two sides having, having their little spats? Those who are like the high priest, no, you don't speak in this name. Those like Peter said, hey, you're the one that killed him. Uh, and, or, or, we're just going to sit here eating our popcorn and watching the show. Which side are you going to be on? And once again, those that were being entertained, they had made a decision And while they think they're not making the decision to side with the high priest, by not saying yes to Jesus, they've made their decision to say no. Peter's standing under the authority of Christ, and and he's, he's not standing in his own authority saying these things. And we do not preach the word of God in our own authority. The Word of God has authority itself, so when we preach the Word of God, it is authoritative. Not because of me being the one saying it, but it's because of who said it, and I'm saying who said it. Right? It's like when, when we were kids, you know, um, my, my brother or my sister might come. My, no, it's usually my sister because she was the bossy one. She'd, she'd always come, and, and, uh, and she'd, she'd say, Tony and Philip, um, clean your room. Get out of here. You're not the boss of me, right? Isn't that what siblings do? But, she, but then if she comes come and said, Mama said clean your room, that carried a little more weight to it, didn't it? That had authority. So Peter's standing and, and, and he, says, he says, the God, he, he, these, uh, the Chief priest, the high priest, they said, they said, we charge you, we told you, don't preach in this name. And Peter stands and he says, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers, which raised Jesus uh, from, from the, uh, raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree, him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to uh, Israel and forgiveness of sins. It's because of Jesus that we have this authority. And it's because of Jesus that we have a message. It's because of Jesus that we stand here and we say what we have to say. Because what Jesus said is truth. 
We believe the truth and you need to as well. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. They're like, look, I don't care what the people say now. We've just got to kill these people and put them out of our misery. But then there was a Pharisee that stood up. A man by the name of Gamaliel. And Gamaliel, we'll find his name mentioned later on in Scripture because he was a, he was a teacher and it was, in his, it was under his tutelage that, that Saul of Tarsus was brought up. Saul of Tarsus, a very zealous Pharisee who later became Paul the Apostle. And Gamaliel uh, was a doctor of the law. He was had in reputation among all the people, uh, very well respected. He, 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 said, he said, hey, why don't we set these guys to the side just for a minute and let's have a little talk. And as, he, as he's talking, he's like, he's like look, these guys, they're probably just rabble-rousers. In our, our nation's history, we've seen this over and over and over. You got this guy that comes up and he, he, he causes a, a, an, an insurrection and, and, uh, and people go, follow, follow him for a little while, but then when he's killed, when he's taken out of the picture, it just begins to you know, fade away. He said, he said, so let's leave it alone. So we don't cause trouble and bring Rome down upon us. If it's not of God, it's just going to pass. But if it is of God, then we don't want to be, we don't want to be guilty of standing against God, right? So he's taking a, he, he, he thinks he's taking a passive approach to this. But in his argument, he's denying Jesus Christ. He's denying that these men are of God. And being a teacher, of the, a doctor of the law, he should have known. So he's rationalizing and trying to use rational, uh, rationale and, and logic to, to reject the truth. And we have people do that all the time. Just try to reason away and rationalize this and that and, and reject the truth. The Bible says, verse 40, to him they agreed and when they called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. We see that you have identified with this Jesus Christ. We see that you have taken your stand and you have made such a, a stir among the people. You've caused us some problems. So we're going to beat you. And they flogged them. Jewish law... Uh, prohibited them from, from beating a man any more than 39 stripes. So you can, you can guarantee that they probably received all 39 of them. They beat them, threatened them, don't you speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. The apostles identified with truth. The truth that's the only, that, that is the only real truth that God is, that Jesus is God in the flesh. He's the only way to heaven. And by faith in his name, can we have eternal life. And that he, his is a name that is worthy of our loyalty. And we ought to obey him rather than men. That was their message that day. The priests, the religious crowd, 
They took their stand, identifying themselves as the opposers of Christ. While they might have thought that they were doing God a service, they were taking a stand with the enemy, Satan. I wonder today, those of us who identify as believers in Jesus Christ, what would it take for you to stop? To stop being a witness, to stop living for Christ? What would it take for you to throw in the towel and to just be quiet? I'm going to say something now that I hope you understand that I, I mean this in love. But I say it to cause us to evaluate and to it's kind of a wake-up call. Many of us have already stopped. We've already stopped shining the light of the gospel. We've already stopped living for Christ. We've already stopped following him faithfully to let his light be seen in us. We still believe in him and we'll, we might even pray privately in our bedroom with the blinds closed, the door shut, our face in the pillow whispering. Maybe not to that extreme, but we certainly don't want to go public with it. Why not? I'm grateful for those who, d who took the stand. You see, if it was not for, if it was not for that, that, that group of believers there in the upper room taking their stand and following the, the, uh, following the Holy Spirit as He spoke through them, there would not have been those 3,000 that were born again on the day of Pentecost. And if Peter and John had kept their mouths shut and just quietly went to the temple on the at the time of prayer, and if they had just left the lame man alone, and, and, if, and, and if they had just you know, minded their own business... 5,000 people would not have been born again that day. And if, and if, if they had obeyed the, the, uh, the priest and, and just stopped speaking in this name, then the multitudes that we read about here, the multitudes would not have been born again. I'm grateful that somebody decided to not be silent, that somebody decided to identify with truth and to proclaim the truth and to live in the truth and to speak the truth and to share the truth with others and to live the truth in their life so that I was able to hear the truth that set me free from my sin. I'm grateful for those of you who are saved that somebody decided to love you enough to preach the truth and now it's your turn. It's your turn to take a stand. It's your turn to identify with the truth. These men, Peter and John, the others, whoever it was, the apostles, they were beaten and they were straightly threatened. Don't preach in the name of Jesus anymore. And notice what they did. The Bible says in verse 41, and they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Woo! Jesus died for me. Jesus was crucified for me. He was beaten bloody so that you could see every bone in his body. And I was able to take a beating for him. Woo! 
You might say, that just sounds crazy. But if you know my Jesus, if you get to know him intimately, you'll see it's not crazy at all. We all have people for whom we we all have people that we love that we would we would stand up for them and we would we might even uh, die for them. And they didn't die for our salvation. Jesus did. So I can we can suffer some shame for him. We can suffer some ridicule. And we can even take a beating for him if we need to. Later on, these same apostles, they gave their lives. John was the only one of the, of the 12 that didn't die a martyr's death. But he, was cert- he certainly didn't escape persecution. He was thrown alive in a vat of boiling oil. I'd say that that's some more persecution, more than I've ever faced. Peter was crucified upside down. Andrew was crucified Several of them were, uh, I think uh, Matthias, if I remember correctly, or it was either him or Matthew, they were uh, shot, with, shot with arrows. James, the, the half-brother of Jesus that was used, uh, that was used to, to pen the, the, the book of James there, the epistle of James, uh, he's the one that, who was the pastor there in the, the church in Jerusalem uh, and, and provided some, some leadership there. Uh, he, he was thrown from the top of the temple and then beaten, to, and, and then laying, laying there in, the, in that broken condition, he was beaten to death. These guys, they stood for the truth. They didn't back down just because the high priest said to. Verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They were told not to, but they did it anyway. Because his is a name that everybody needs to know. Hey, it doesn't matter if you, if you know my name or not. It doesn't matter if, if people in Pasadena know the name of Philip Jones. And really, hey, I'm not saying this to be rude. It's not important if, if people know your name. But if they die without knowing Jesus Christ, they've missed it all. And church, we've been given a great responsibility to stand for truth and to speak the truth. It's time for us to identify with truth. So will you take your stand? The line is drawn in the sand. Will you take your stand with truth? Identify with Jesus and tell others he is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you're here today and you've, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. And you, you hear about all of this stuff and it, it sounds a little bit crazy. But, but hearing, hearing that Jesus, Jesus would love you so much that he would die for you, you're interested in knowing what that's all about. Let me tell you what it's all about. We are born sinners. We are born with a sin nature. And, and as a sinner, we cannot please God. We cannot do enough good to please God because everything we do is tainted by our sin and that doesn't measure up to God's standard of holiness the Bible says our righteousnesses the best things we can do in God's sight are as filthy rags that doesn't measure up to his standard of holiness 
So he knew that if anything was going to happen to reconcile us to himself, that he would have to do it. And so he sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, took upon him the form of a servant. He was was made in the likeness of men. He became a man for us. And he, he took the blame and took the punishment for your sin and mine upon himself. And he died on the cross uh, because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And Jesus died for our sins. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And Jesus shed his blood so our sins could be forgiven, so they could be washed away. And now, having paid that price... He died on the cross and and shed his blood. The third day, he rose again from the dead, winning the victory over death, hell, and the grave. And now he offers to you uh, salvation. He offers to you the gift of God, which is eternal life. You can't earn it. You can't pay for it. You can only receive it or reject it. But he offers it to you. And he wants you to receive it today. The Bible says that we receive it by faith. Uh, the Bible says, by, uh, says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Simply put, agree with God that you're a sinner and Jesus is the Savior. He's your only hope for eternal life. Through His blood, through His sacrifice there on the cross, you can be forgiven and have eternal life if you'll just ask Him. And I encourage you to do that today. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's identify with the truth, Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, the life. People may not like it, but Jesus is the truth. The truth needs to be heard. We need to stand for truth. We need to share the truth because the the truth is the gospel. And the gospel is good news that Christ died for our sins. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're a believer this morning, I want to ask you this. Are, Are you living your life identifying with Jesus Christ? Have you taken your stand to identify with Jesus Christ? Would you today, would you today choose to take that stand and identify with Christ? Do that first step of, of, of identifying with Christ is through baptism. After you've been saved, you identify with Christ through, uh, through a public testimony by being baptized. Maybe, maybe you're... You've already been saved and baptized, but you need to, to live it out. You need to live the life uh, and, and let Jesus be seen in you. And you need to share your story of how Jesus saved you. Go and tell people the truth. Identify with Him. Will, will you do that today?